This morning, um, I'd love to share with you a few few verses from Psalm Psalm 23, and I, I pray that it's a, a, a blessing for you as we draw, if you like, our attention and our thoughts to the Lord himself. Uh, we've been speaking over the last few weeks around what it takes to really strengthen uh, and, and guard and look after our mind, particularly in a time when um, there, there are so many demands for our attention. There are so, so many demands for our minds. And, and so I pray this morning that as we re- reflect on some of these verses from the psalm, um, that we're able to draw our thoughts and draw our minds and draw our attention to the Lord himself because there's really perhaps you could say nothing more amazing to ponder and, and, and to reflect on than the Lord himself. And uh, I pray that, that that's a real, a real encouragement for you this morning. Let me ask you also, what have you been thinking about this week? What are the kinds of things that you've been thinking about and the sorts of things that the Lord has been um, teaching you or, or revealing to you this week when you have been to a, to a study online or you've been, to, uh, you've been reading the word yourself and you've been reflecting and you've been praying. I'm sure the Lord has been speaking to your heart in some ways and, and uh, I pray that you've been encouraged from the many things the Lord has been speaking to you today. Just take a moment to, to stop and think, well, what, what is it that I've been listening to this week? What is it that I've been reading this week uh, that has spoken to my heart? What is it that the Lord was speaking to me about or his word really, really jumped out at me and, and, and made me see something, you know, in his word this week? Just just take a moment to, to reflect on that because, because whenever we get together the fellowship, it's always an opportunity for God to be speaking and for God to be working. And these things ought not to be taken lightly. Even if... You know, you're in your room reading the Word of God and, and all of a sudden there is this, this, this understanding of something or, or something strikes you and, and you think, oh, wow, this is, this is amazing. This is the Lord speaking to my life about something. These things are not to be taken lightly. And, uh, and so don't kind of you know, brush them aside and think, oh, yeah, that's good. It's entertaining. Not entertaining, sorry. I'm revealing and then, you know, then put it aside. But rather allow the Lord to keep speaking to your heart even this morning. I pray that your heart is open to listen to what the Lord has to say. And maybe maybe it's one thing this morning that the Lord will speak to you about, but I pray that if he does, and my faith, my trust is that he will, that I pray that you take that and that you hold on to that dearly uh, for yourself and allow that to continue to, to be your strength because the word of God, uh, the word of God is our strength. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on this morning. And I pray that uh, whether you're here for the first time or whether you're here, you've been here for many times, I pray that you are able to stay focused and listening to the word of God and that your hearts remain open to hear what he has to say to you today. So, so join me as we, as we pray together. Father, thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you for the worship that we've had this morning, Lord. Thank you that we're able to come into your presence and and lift up your name in song and acknowledge you, Lord, through our hearts of worship, Lord. And I pray that as we continue to fellowship together this morning, that your spirit may work through your word and that your spirit may continue to speak to every heart that is listening today. Lord, we need you so much. Uh, And without you, we're lost. Without you, we are empty. Without you, Lord, we are dying. And, Lord, I pray this morning that you're able to renew our souls and renew our spirits and be able to uh, come before you and and really know that you are a God who speaks to us because you're a God who cares for your people. And I pray this morning, shepherd of our soul, that you would uh, continue to guide us and lead us in everything. Uh, We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning I'd I'd like to read and share with you not all of Psalm 23. I've always kind of have planned for the last few weeks just to, to touch on a few verses from this psalm. It's a very well-known psalm. You know, you hear it all the time. And so much so that sometimes when you hear something so much, it kind of just um, it doesn't resonate as much. It doesn't sort of strike you as much because you've heard these phrases so much, unlike perhaps if you come across a verse in the Bible that you haven't, you don't remember reading or yet it's, not, it's unfamiliar to you, you can sort of strike, strike you know, out and, and, and kind of, 
somehow speak to you in a way that you, because it's so new. But something like Psalm 23, which is so familiar to people, can can there can be a tendency to think, oh, yeah, it's a familiar psalm. I've heard these phrases before. But let's just, let's just sit in this psalm for today, next week. Just let's just, let's just think about it. Let's reflect on it. Let's allow the Lord to um, remind us of some of the beauty of this psalm. Perhaps that's why God made it so familiar to people because it's such a rich psalm. You know, maybe, maybe that's why God intended that people use it everywhere because it's so full of, of beauty. And, and I want to draw your hearts and your minds to no one else but the Lord himself and everything about him. Maybe it's one of these psalms that you choose to memorise. Maybe it's a psalm that you say, you know, I'm going to memorise this psalm. I'm going, to, I'm going to hide it in my heart. I'm going to allow the spirit of God to work in me as, as I commit to remembering every word of this psalm. Maybe that's something that the Lord speaks to you about. But whatever it is, let's, let's dwell in it for a, for a time and let's reflect on the beauty of, of these verses. And so I really want to just focus on the first, the first three verses, but for the sake of, of guess, of, of understanding it or perhaps reading it, you know, getting a chance to be familiar with all of it in case you haven't read it before even, uh, let's read through. And then I really want to just focus on verses 1, one to 3, um, in, in whether it's today and today or next week. So verse 1 from Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name, for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. What a beautiful psalm. What a beautiful psalm. I'm sure for some of you um, this has really uh, resonated with you in some ways. Maybe it's a psalm that you've turned to over the years, it's a psalm that you've reflected on maybe in times of trial or in times of grief. Maybe it's a psalm that you've reflected on in times when you've just needed direction. Whatever it is, I'm sure for some of you this psalm really hits home uh, uh, for you. There's probably even some of you that can think about perhaps a song that you've heard sung with this psalm and you can you can reflect on the, how the impact that it's had on you. I know for me, I often, when I think of this psalm, I think straight away of the way Keith Green sang it. And those who are familiar with Keith Green, you know, uh, he's got a, a beautiful version of this of this psalm, and 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 I tend to I tend to go back to that. And that's what I look up if I want to hear it in a song. In fact, it was only this morning I, I listened to it again, you know, because it's it's one of those things that you know you can listen to the psalms as songs because you know or you can listen to any scripture as songs, but psalms especially because that's how they were given to us. They were given to us as songs. And so, so it's, it's one of those psalms that, you know, for many of us, we, we have different emotions and different feelings about it. But, but what about the truth in it? What about the very truth in it? What about the very fact that it's about a God who's never changed? It's about a God from generation to generation remains the same and remains the same not only in who he is but what he's able to do. Have you, have you contemplated that for a moment, that we serve a God that never changes? So there's nothing about God that ever becomes less. There's nothing about God that is weakened in time, deteriorating in time. The God is the God from the, from the very time when he created everything, that this is the same God that we serve today. And from generation to generation, all the writers of the scripture have spoken about and have shared with us about the same God and about the same relationship with the God. So when you think about Moses and his relationship with God, you think about Abraham and his relationship with God or David and his relationship with God, it's no different to our relationship with God and what God is doing in us and what God is how God is speaking to us. And so though the means may be different, the intention is exactly the same. And so we have this, this, this thing about God who just always remains the same. And David, David speaks about something that we have had the privilege to also know about Jesus. It's almost like David either had a glimpse 
or understood with his experience something that Jesus wanted to make a real good point about. And that was this, that God is a God of many kinds of characteristics, but he's a shepherd. He's a shepherd. And I know for the people of the day, this would have been a very familiar thing for them. I understand that. And perhaps for us, we don't quite, uh, uh, we can't quite get our heads around it in the same way as the writers of the day. And, and I know there are, there are some, I've heard of some very amazing commentaries or articles that describe what a shepherd really did and, and what sheep really are. You know, I just heard one recently that was able to really beautifully articulate the, what a shepherd does and what sheep and um, who sheep are. But, you know, and when you understand it in its context and you understand it in its, in its practical sense, it can really be quite insightful. But for the purpose of today, I just want you to understand something, that God is, is the shepherd and we as the sheep are completely dependent on him, not just dependent on him but protected by him. This is, this is the protection of the Lord for a people who, left, who are, if, if left on their own, would be destroyed. And so God, God takes it upon himself to come down and to be for us the shepherd of our souls, to be for us the one who promises to be everything we need every time it is needed because this is the God who we serve. And though sometimes the experiences of life look at this and think to ourselves, but how can that be true? Look at my experience. It doesn't change the truth of our God. Even though our emotions sometimes drift us off into other thoughts about the Lord, God in his word centers us, brings us back to the reality that he is the shepherd of our souls. And all throughout history, all throughout history, this is who God has been for his people. So Jesus makes a point of it. Jesus wants to tell his people that he is also the shepherd. David talks about the Lord as the shepherd. Jesus comes on the earth and says, hey, guess what? I'm that Lord. <laughs> I am the shepherd of, of your souls. I am that good shepherd. And so Jesus wants to in some ways link the two together so that we are able to, I guess, in a lot of ways, think about different things, that he's, that he's the same God of the Old Testament but also does the same things. I want you to listen to me for a moment before I, before I read these verses. I want you to hear some of these words that Jesus used to help us understand then how he becomes this shepherd for us. Listen to this. In John 10, it says this. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Yeah, because there's many uh, bad shepherds. There are many hirelings, people who are just kind of in it for the money. But he says, I'm the good shepherd because the, shepherd, the good shepherd does something that a hireling or a paid shepherd doesn't do. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's very distinct from anything else because someone who's paid for what they do or rather someone who is in it for the wrong motives, they're going to run. They're going to run when they see danger around them. But the good shepherd, he says, you know what the good shepherd does? He lays down his life for the sheep. And this is what's beautiful about the Lord Jesus Christ because he didn't come thinking to himself what is in it. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to protect myself. But rather I'm going to give myself for the sheep. This is what's going to save them and this is going to remind them of something quite significant, that I will do anything for them that I may know them and love them and have them in my kingdom. And then he says also in that same chapter, he says, a stranger, now it's kind of coming, coming back to us now, he says, a stranger they will not follow. Well, how many strangers have you followed in your life? Heaps. Heaps of strangers I've followed in my life. Before I knew the Lord Jesus Christ, sometimes voice, uh, other ideas come in and we, we're tempted to be drifted. But Jesus says, you know what, a stranger, they will not follow. Because thanks be to God, he reveals these truths to us and it becomes all of a sudden the voice of strangers starts to diminish. And he says, a stranger, they will not follow, but they will flee from him. Yeah, it's just like the sheep. The sheep, he's, a, he's, a, he's an unfamiliar shepherd's whistle. They're not, they're not going to go to that shepherd because that's not their shepherd. I don't know what, what I don't know if they're going to be safe for, for me. I don't know if they're going to look after me. I don't know. Why would I give my life to them? Why would I give my heart to them? Why would I give my heart to things of this world that promises me life when I don't know if at the end of the day it's going to destroy me. In fact, the Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way is death because men and women believe in their hearts that the way they're following is good for them, but they're listening to voices or listening to a direction that at the end of the day is going to destroy them. 
You might be in that situation today. You might, you, might be, uh, you, you might be in a situation where you know in your heart of hearts you're not following the voice of Jesus. What you're following is your own, your own thoughts and opinions or the, the opinions of other people. And at the end of the day, it's not doing anything for you but rather leading you down a path of death. And so Jesus says, the voice of strangers they won't hear. And then he, then he also says this, my sheep, Hear my voice and I know them. This intimacy. Yes, my sheep, you know my sheep, they hear my voice. They, they're familiar with my voice and they, and I know them and they follow me. They follow me. It's like they don't hesitate. They, they just want the voice of Jesus. They want the words of Christ. They want the fellowship with the Saviour and they, they follow him. And he says, you know what he says? And, and I give them eternal life and they'll never perish. What a promise. Because I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one's going to snatch them out. No one's going to be able to snatch them out of my hand. And this is, this is such a wonderful promise of God because God is saying, the Lord Jesus Christ is saying here that my promise to you, the promise to you for you committing to follow me is that no one will ever steal you from me and you will not perish. So what Jesus is doing is giving us a, a, an idea of who he is as the shepherd and if we were to put our complete trust and life in his hands, he's promising that nothing, nothing outside of his power is going to happen to us. This is, this is, the, the, this is the goodness and the grace of God. Brothers and sisters, when we think about Jesus like this as a shepherd, and we really begin to understand him like this. We find rest knowing that we're not pieces of some game that this world is playing. We're not pieces of a chess game that the, that the leaders of this earth are kind of playing with us. No. But rather, we are the children of the living God that we are the children of our Father in heaven. And because of this, no game any earthly leader wants to play can ever be outside of the will and the plan of God for us. And so we don't, we don't find rest in earthly leadership. Yes, we are called to obey them. Yes, we are called to help them. Yes, we are called to do what's right so that we can live peacefully. But we don't find rest in them. Our trust is not in them. Our trust is in the Lord, the faithful shepherd. Our trust is in the God who's way bigger than all, this, all that is going on. And for him, it's not a game of moving pieces around. It's a perfect plan from the beginning through to the end. And we are blessed and fortunate to be part of that plan for this little season in our lives. And glory be to God for that. And so we find when we talk about the shepherd of our souls, there is something way, way beyond what we think is going on, but a, but a shepherd who's guiding our paths in the way that we should, we should go. So I ask you this morning, brothers and sisters, friends, and maybe if you're here for the first time, who are you putting your trust in? Who are you, at the end of the day, putting your trust in? Because to who you put your trust in is the level of rest and peace in your heart. Because if you put your trust in completely in the sovereignty and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, the shepherd of your soul, this is the peace and the rest that the Lord gives you. If you're putting your trust in some earthly wisdom that hopefully one day will make all things well, then yes, while they might make things well, this is not what's going to bring you peace. And so this is, this is significant for us as we move into this beautiful psalm because this is the relationship that David had with the Lord. And you know the life of David, many of you. You know the, the, the complexities of his life, the, the roller coaster of his life. You just gotta you gotta just read the Psalms and you'll see, boy, how many emotions did David experience in his life? Well, I tell you what, no more perhaps or no less than myself. 
no more or no less than yourself. And so you see here a beautiful picture of the psalmist who's very raw and vulnerable in all his psalms, and, and we get the privilege to read them. And so in this time, you see that in all this, this beautiful passage, David still knew something quite precious and quite unique, and that the Lord is his shepherd. Now, in these three verses, there are eight words I want to share with you, eight words that I want you to remember perhaps or you might take the time to remember. Now, there's no fancy way I've, I've created them to, for you to remember. Maybe, maybe you can think of a way to, to remember these words. But these are the words that, that eventually we'll get through in these, in these three verses of, of, Psalm, of Psalm 23. Uh, and I'll just go through in order from the first one. Relationship, that's the first one. Uh, provision. I'll be talking, I want to talk, share with you about provision. Um, promise is the third one. Peace, the fourth. Uh, restoration, the fifth. Direction, direction, the sixth. Righteousness, the seventh. And glory, the eighth. Yeah, they're, the, they're the eight words that I want to, I want to share with you just using, using this beautiful psalm of Psalm 20, 23, 1, 2, one to three, one to three, and, and, and share with you thoughts. And I pray as we as we kind of dwell in this psalm for, for, for a time that you are encouraged and you are strengthened in your faith. So let's go to Psalm, let's go to verse one. And uh, I want to I want to um, break this up a little bit and have a look. And the first one being the first one being relationship. And to understand relationship, let's just look at that very first opening statement together, yeah, that very thing that just jumps out right at the start, whether David goes to pen his words and sing his song. And the first thing that kind of flows into his heart is this, the Lord is my shepherd. Wow. Do you see what I'm saying now? It's, it's very easy for you to think, oh, yeah, I've read this you know, a thousand times, but I want us to dwell in it. And it's going to take effort, perhaps, for some of you to dwell on this. But I want us to think about this. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, listen, last week I shared with you a little bit about the fear of the Lord. And I shared with you something of the fear of the Lord. And some of you might remember what I was sharing with you about. And we talked about how the fear of the Lord, I believe, the depth in the, in the heart of the fear of the Lord is understanding who God is and who we are. Because when we understand God in this respect, there is no compromise. There is no um, cutting corners because he's God. He's God. He has, the, he has the right to bless and he has the right to judge. This is God. And so I don't make the rules. I don't dictate what goes on. He's the Lord. And so or what I am called to do is humbly come before him in love and obedience. Now, listen to what the psalmist says here. The Lord, what does he call him? He calls him the Lord. <laughs> Can you go any higher than that? Is there anything higher than the Lord? Is there anything greater than the Lord? Is there a title that can be given to him that is that, that can somehow uh, stand above the idea that he's Lord? Lord means Lord. He's Lord. He's, he's, he's king of everything. He he's reigns over everything. And so he recognises that this is the Lord. It says, he's my shepherd. Listen, because what he's saying is this. He's the Lord. He is the Lord. And I, I am a sheep. Do you understand? He's the Lord and I'm a sheep. Is there, is, there, uh, is there a greater contrast that we can think about? Is there something where we talk about someone who has complete supremacy and complete sovereignty over everything and has control from the beginning to the end? He knows the end from the beginning. And then you have sheep that are utterly dependent and left on their own will destroy themselves. And here you have this beautiful picture of the fear of the Lord because not one day, if let alone one hour or one minute, can be believed to be something we can have on our own and have on our own doing. That somehow we will survive, we will make it. I'm a survivor. I'll, I'll get through this life on my own. I don't need anyone else. That's foolishness. And that's why the Bible says that the fool has said there is no God. And so the psalmist, I believe David understood something that we are striving to always understand today, that who he is in light of who God is. And somehow this connected with David and perhaps this is why he was able to find rest. And I believe today this is where we find a lot of our rest, 
not in the wrestling of trying to make ourselves better, but in the understanding of who our God is that we're serving. So he wants to make a really important point that the Lord is his shepherd and he understands just how much who, how much he is in need of this. Now, there is so much about the Lord that we need in order to protect us in today's climate, in today's world, in everything that is going on around us, whether you're young or whether you're old, it doesn't really matter. There's lots of things that will draw your heart to be scared of and be frightened. But at the end of the day, God is the Lord looking after the sheep. And we might talk about enemies in this world. We might talk about things and people that are referred to as enemies. That's our enemy or this is our enemy. And we forget often that our greatest enemy is often, is most times ourselves. But let us remember, brothers and sisters, that our, our enemy, the devil, is also at work. And you might be worried about the things that are going on in this world, but I tell you the truth, what you should be very concerned about is the enemy, the devil, and his works and his ways and how he goes about working so that he can accomplish his purpose on the church and on the kingdom, though the Bible says that the gates of hell will never prevail against it. He's going to try. And, boy, if practice makes perfect, he's had a lot of practice. Don't fool yourself in thinking that somehow you are stronger than him. Don't fool yourself in thinking that somehow you are wiser than him. We know his devices, but we are dependent on the Lord. Think about him for a moment. The Bible describes him as the father of lies. How are you going to be able to discern his lies? The truth, the truth of our Lord Jesus Christ is the only thing that's going to expose his lies. He's subtle in how he gives you his lies. He'll tell you this is okay because you're doing this or this is all right because your motive is this and he'll give you ways of believing your own carnal desires and not the truths of God. He's the father of lies. You need the shepherd of your soul to continue to protect you and to shepherd you and to guard you against the ways of the enemy. Left to his device, he's going to kill you. In fact, that's his mission, the Bible tells us in John 10. When we read about the shepherd, we also read that, his, that the devil's mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. He's not going to compromise with that. In fact, the Bible describes him as a roaring lion. He, he's one of those creatures that are out to seek whoever he can devour. Yes, whoever he can devour. So what he's on, he's, he's on a mission to, to consume all who allow him to be consumed by him. And Christian, don't think to yourself, hey, it's okay, it's pretty cool, you know, I've got the name of Christ over me and, and you know, I can, I can chill, chill and relax and all those sorts. No, not at all. The warning is for you. So he's called the father of lies. He's called this roaring He's called this roaring lion, and his actions are very deliberate. That's why the Bible says that he has fiery darts or fiery arrows, and the Bible says you've got to take up the shield of faith because the shield of faith is the only thing that can quench the fiery arrows. Do you think somehow that, that you're, you're immune from the fiery arrows? Do you think somehow that you are safe from these fiery arrows? No, the Bible says take up the shield of faith. And what are arrows designed to do? No, the devil doesn't shoot arrows for the purpose of missing or giving you a scare, not at all. The purpose of his arrows is to hit you and hit you where it hurts, hit you hard, straight into the heart so that you can be impacted and, and drawn away and, and, and the, the feeling of his arrows is going to really get to you. And so this is the idea of the enemy. So, you know, again, say, you know what, I, I walk, you know, I walk in the name of Christ and, and everything is good. And No, take up the shield of faith. You need to depend in the shepherd of your soul. You cannot do it on your own. And for those who think they can, it will only last for a season. And maybe for some of you, it might last all your life, if not for the goodness of God until one day you find yourself going to meet not a saviour but a judge. But today, today we are called to put our trust in our saviour, to put our trust in the shepherd. 
And that's why, um, and, and I believe when David refers to as the shepherd, he would have understood that he uh, has nothing, he cannot um, live his life going off and finding his own pasture. Isn't that what people do? And we'll talk about that later. Isn't that what people do? They find their own pastures of life. I look at that beautiful still water I found. Nothing like it. But all it is is a facade. And before they know it, it's all it's all dried up or dirty or poisonous. And so what David understood, and remember, because he himself was the shepherd. Yeah, he looked after sheep. What David understood himself was exactly what he understood about his own sheep. That where would they be without him? What would happen to them without him? And so he understood this and he understood even against the enemy of life, he could trust in only the Lord himself. And when the devil whistles to call the sheep, he doesn't listen to it. And when the devil whistles to call you, you don't listen to it. You don't say, oh, what was that? That looks interesting. I know maybe it's not Christian, but it's fascinating. This is not the life of a Christian. The Christian hears the voice of his shepherd, and only that voice they follow. In whatever they're doing, whether they're working, mowing the lawn, playing with the kids, whatever they're doing, they're listening to the voice of the shepherd. Because this is, this is the call of Christians. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I ask you this morning, brothers and sisters, is he your shepherd? Is he truly your shepherd, not by title, but by life. Do you live life every day knowing this is what you need above all things? Is there a relationship? Listen, is there a relationship with something or someone that is more important to you than the Lord? Think about it for a moment. Is there a relationship with something, maybe something you're doing, something you love, is there a relation? I'm not saying don't do things you love, but is there a relationship with something or even someone that is more important than the Lord? How do you know if it's more important? Well, it's very simple. If that thing makes you sin against God, then it's more important. If that thing takes your heart in the place of God, then it's more important. If that thing drives you away from doing the will of God, then 100% it's more important. But do you make the relationship you have with God the most important thing in your life that you get up, you live for, you go to sleep for? And are you very deliberate and intentional to build this relationship with God? That you don't say to yourself, oh, I've got it now, it's safe and secure, I'll pack it away somewhere and, and, and I'll just kind of go on living. No, do you, every day do you intentionally, deliberately do what needs to happen to build this relationship? You don't just come to church once a week. Oh, you don't even just go to church once a week and a Bible study twice a week. That's not even good enough. But when I say not good enough, I'm not talking about numbers of Bible studies and things. What I'm talking about is that's not what it's about. It's about every day doing what it takes to build your relationship with God, walking with your Lord. That's what it takes. You see, you can't, you can't confuse passion for righteousness. Passion is beautiful. I love passionate Christians. I love it. It's fantastic. But even passion isn't confused with righteousness because passion may be like an inf you're inflated for a season because everything's going well for you, but all of a sudden something goes not well, pop, it's gone. But where's your righteousness? Where's your love for God? Where's your commitment to him? Where's your unfailing desire to walk steadfastly? Because he's your all in all. He's the shepherd of your soul. And I believe that we have to do deliberately what we have, what we can every day to build this relationship, just like, like a marriage. How many of you are married and think to yourself, oh, you know what, I can stop trying now. It's been about five years. Um, she'll be with me for life and, you know, it's okay. We'll always enjoy hanging out together even if I stop trying. 
Oh, you know, he'll always want to be with me, even if I kind of stop trying. You know, it's been it's been a few years now. We've sort of we've got our patterns in, in place, and, and it doesn't matter if we don't talk much anymore. It doesn't matter if we don't go out much anymore. It doesn't matter if we don't spend time together much anymore because we're married. You know, we, 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 it's like you know, death do us part. She has to stay with me. He has to stay. What's that? That's not a marriage. A marriage doesn't say they're stuck with me, and therefore I'll do what I want to do. And doesn't matter if I don't commit to them or communicate with them. That's not a marriage. A marriage is every day deliberately doing what it needs to be done to build your marriage. A marriage is whether you're one year or 41 years, it doesn't matter, the same love and affection or to be shown to one another. This is because you're building something and you think the enemy is going to let you go in your marriage and the enemy is going to say, um, um, you know, some, something will change in time or, or somehow the enemy is going to think, okay, they're, they're set now and it should be all okay. So you're intentionally building things. You're intentionally doing what has to be done. But with the Lord Jesus Christ, you are building what needs to be built every day. And thanks, thanks be to God who allows us these things, who gives us privilege in this way, who, who calls us and, and, and puts this in our hearts. It's like Moses. Remember Moses when he was travelling um, through the, that wilderness, and and he said something really, really precious to the Lord. He said, and it talks about his relationship with God and how and nothing else mattered for him. He said something really precious to God. He said, um, if your presence will not go with me, listen to this, if your presence, Exodus 33, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. What does that even mean? He says, if your presence doesn't go with me, don't take us. Because Moses, it was like Moses is saying, I'm not as concerned about getting to the promised land as I am about you being with me. Do you understand? Yes, the promised land is fantastic. Yes, it looks amazing. It's way better than what Egypt was like, and I can't wait to get there. But God, if you're not going to go with us, I don't want to go there. Because this was the relationship. He knew that the Lord was his shepherd. He knew that without the direction and the protection and the promises of the Lord, it's a disaster. So when you pray, the Lord is my shepherd, do you pray with an understanding that David had? Do you pray knowing that there is nothing greater in this life that can help anything as least in this life. And the, and the Lord looks at us as precious, precious indeed, but understands just how vulnerable and dependent we are. And thanks be to God for that. Because if we weren't, we might become so proud of ourselves, we think we can do it on our own. How beautiful to be reminded of these things. The Lord is my shepherd. Relationship. Relationship. And then he says, I shall not want. And the word I want to use for this one is provision. Yeah, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This is a remarkable uh, uh, prayer or song or, or song of faith. In fact, I, I imagine it's been interpreted and understood, I would only imagine in so many different ways. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And however you want to interpret, I shall not want, because, because, again, it might speak to you in different ways. It's going to take as much faith. I was going to say almost more faith, but perhaps it's not accurate. It's going to take much as much faith as the first part of it. The Lord is my shepherd takes faith. I shall not want takes incredible amount of faith to be able not to say but to believe. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What is that? What is David trying to say there? We know David was a man who certainly had trials. We know David was a man who certainly expressed his wants to the Lord. He certainly expressed, expressed his desires to the Lord. It's not like David walked around and, and constantly had this air of contentment about him that he never asked God for anything. We know that through all of the Psalms. David continually through the Psalms expresses his heart's desires and his trials and his wishes and his, and his hopes. And he, 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 sometimes you look at him and you think, oh, man, poor man. 
this guy is not in a good place. And yet in this passage here, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And as I reflect on this, brothers and sisters, and as I think about this, I begin to start to think to myself, this has got less to do with what God gives and more to do, listen carefully, more to do with who God is. That's not meant to be a nice play on words, but I want you to understand something. It becomes, as I think about it, it becomes less to do with what God is giving, what, what appears to be what God is giving, and more to do with this deep conviction about who God is because he's the shepherd. And what is it that the shepherd doesn't give his sheep? Every time he recognises his sheep needs something and it's going to be critical for them, he gives it. But the shepherd will hold back if the shepherd thinks it's right. And so this idea that God is faithful, giving as is needed, holding as is needed, stopping something as it's needed, waiting as it's needed, but in all things knowing he's faithful. And so when we have this confidence and this conviction in our hearts and this is deep trust in knowing that he's the shepherd and I'm the sheep, he's the Lord and I'm the sheep, and he will provide and give according to his perfect will, then that psalmist or that Christian, that child of God, says with confidence and with faith, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Amen. We're not, um, we're not um, numb to desires and trials. Um, I don't expect you now to walk off and think, oh, no, I'm never going to feel another desire in my life again now because he's my shepherd. Or uh, I'm never going to worry about another trial again because he's my shepherd. I'm not suggesting that because if I was suggesting that, that would contradict everything I shared with you the last few weeks. Don't be anxious for anything, but commit it to God through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Make your requests known to God because there are going to be times you need to bring these things before the Lord. But to know the faithfulness of God, not what you're getting but who he is, not what he's giving, but who he is. You know this is the shepherd of our soul. And knowing this, you knowing he's a faithful shepherd, you know that where you are today, because of his faithfulness, it's perfect. It takes faith. It takes faith. Um, the scriptures remind us of these, some of these wonderful truths even in, in the New Testament. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 says, referring to the Lord, he says, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. And what the Apostle Peter was trying to communicate to the church here was, you know, God's power is so divine that what you need to live life and what you need to walk godly, he's given it. He's provided it. He's made it available at the time it is required. And that puts a kind of rest in our hearts about it. It puts a rest in knowing that this is the divine power of God. So much so what the Apostle Paul wants to try and communicate to the church is that they are now, uh, in understanding this, that brings about a state of or a sense of contentment in their hearts. And I don't know what you're like with contentment, but contentment is really mostly challenged only when things you love are taken away. It's not necessarily challenged when you have lots of things, though it can be. Though it can be. But the Apostle Paul tells us that godliness with contentment is the greatest gain. Because what is going to move you if you are walking holy before the Lord and you are content? Well, I don't, I, maybe there is, but I can't imagine what's going to move you. It doesn't mean 
You're not going to have moments and seasons of hardship and trials and pain and sadness, but what's going to move you? And so the Apostle Paul tells us, you know what, I'll tell you what is really great gain. You know, if you really want to profit in life, strive after godliness and content. Bring it all the way back to this wonderful verse, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Let's just do one more. The third word is promise. The third word is promise. So relationship, the Lord is my shepherd. Provision, I shall not want. And now promise. <laughs> and, and the only thing I'm going to use for this is this, very simple, he makes me to, he makes me. Promise. I want, I, want to, I want to share with you what I'm trying to say here. I want you to stop and think that what these words, these words he makes me to, is he wants to share about these words. Yeah, I want, I want you to think about something for a moment. How many times have you heard a child say something like, oh, but they made me do it, you know, they made me do it, or she makes me do that. Oh, that's, that's just him. He, he, he makes me be like this. <laughs> How many times have you heard people say things like, they they make they are made to do something as if as if it's kind of a um, they're forced in some ways or they or it's like they're pressured into something. I don't I don't think this is what David is talking about. He makes it's like well he makes me lie down in green pastures. You know I don't think that's what David is talking about here. So what's he saying? He makes me. It's like David is saying you know God is so faithful. He makes me. You know, God's promises are so true. He makes me. His every effort and work in my life is to take me in this direction. So, so much so, it's like he makes me. God, Lord, you're so good to me. You're so good to me, Lord. He makes me do these things. It's almost like David is saying, the promises of God are so sure that they are going to happen because he makes me. I don't know what you do um, with the promises of God in your life, but, you know, the Bible is full of these. You know that. If you've been Christian long enough, you'll know that the Bible is full, full, heaps and heaps of promises of God. And people do different things with the promises of God. But I wonder what you can do this week. And I want, you to, I want to end with this. Wonder what you can do this week. Thinking on the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. It's about who he is, perhaps more than what he does, what he gives. Think about the promises of God. What is it in the promises of God that you know this week are going to hold you, carry you, strengthen you? There's tons. For example, let me give you just a couple of examples. You know, ones that I think about from time to time. Uh, Isaiah 40, verse 31. Those, they who wait on the Lord shall, what, weaken their strength? It's a promise. He makes me stronger. You get it? They who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. He makes me renew my strength. Listen to another one, Romans 6, 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, since you are not under the law but under grace. He makes me have victory over sin. And I know there are probably people who are going to be starting to think about, hang on, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. Of, of course, we know that. But the promise is he makes me have victory over sin. We don't have to say to ourselves it's not possible. It's, it's impossible. I can't do it. I'm in, I'm in the flesh. I'm only human. He makes me no longer have, have, he makes me no longer be under the dominion of sin. Praise the Lord. So I wonder what you're going to do this week. You know, whether it's, and mind you, Psalm 23 is full of promises. Whether you're going to take a promise that God has spoken to you during the week or whether it's a promise that God has spoken to you today. 
or whether it's a promise that God will speak to you or you're just going to look up in the scriptures, it's easy. It's easy to find promise after promise. A simple search on how you're feeling will give you tons of promises in the scriptures. But what are you going to do with it? Lots of people, uh, people use different methods. Some people memorise it. Some people like to write it somewhere. Some people like to put it on a post-it note and put it on the wall. Some people like to put it as their wallpaper on their, on their phone or on their computer. Some people like to share it because sharing it helps them to remember it. Whatever it is, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with the word of promise? He makes me. And how are you going to hold on to this this week and make the word not just a word out there but a word in here that you hold dearly to you? The word is deep in your heart. The word is deep entrenched in your mind because these are the promises of God. And as we continue to explore uh, David's relationship with God, I pray, brothers and sisters, that it becomes not just David's but ours. Blessed knowing he's our shepherd. Blessed with the faith knowing I shall not want and with the confidence that he makes me. Let me pray for us, brothers and sisters, this morning. I pray that you uh, receive your hearts are open to receive all that the Lord is asking from you this morning, that you're encouraged to draw your attention upon him, not upon me, not upon the church, but to him, that you draw your attention toward him and allow all of what he says to guard your hearts and minds. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you, Lord God, for this morning. I want to thank you for your most beautiful word. We thank you, Lord, for the experience of the psalmist who went before us and knew you as a faithful shepherd. Lord, we pray that our hearts are ready and willing and receiving all that you want to say to us today and that we take your word we hold on to the very promise that you've given us and that we are able to walk in this faithfully to you, Lord God, a faithful God. We thank you, Lord, and pray your blessing be upon my brothers and sisters. We pray your blessing be upon everyone that has heard your word this morning. Encourage them and strengthen them and guide them in the path that you desire for them. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.